Mindfulness Mode 375. You can get outside the comfort zone by just opening your front door and taking one step. Welcome to Mindfulness Mode. I'm your host and Mindfulness Life Coach, Bruce Langford. So great to have you with us. If you're new, if you're a repeated listener, awesome to have you. And please subscribe to the to the show if you like it. Before we get started with today's episode, I'd like to offer you a way to release any feelings of overwhelm that you might be experiencing. This will help you to abandon your inner blocks and surrender your stress. You'll become more focused and raise your personal level of contentment. I'm totally convinced that you'll achieve more with increased concentration. And as a result of listening to this full-length 30-minute guided meditation, I think you'll just start to feel a better level of peace. The cost is $4.99. You can get it right away at mindfulnessmode.com slash release. Now on to today's episode, Mindful Tribe. In this episode, we're going to talk with a mindset missionary. Have you heard of mindset missionary before? I had not. Imagine losing your job in your mid-50s. How devastating that would be. Well, devastation frustration, depression, discouragement. None of these things actually happened with today's guest when he lost his job. And as a result, he realized he could help others in a huge way. Others who were going through traumatic life events. I think you'll benefit from this episode a lot. Sit back, relax, and enjoy today's interview with Tim C. Starr. Hey, Tim, are you in mindfulness mode today? I am doing my best to be in mindfulness mode today. (laughs) That's great. Well, Tim C. Starr is a speaker. He's an author, a podcaster, and a mindset missionary. When he lost a long-term job at age 54, Tim didn't work again for two years. He also didn't get depressed, and he did not begin to question his worth in the world. He didn't base his self-value on his career, which is something that's sometimes tricky. When he became aware that he was not experiencing what the experts said would happen, he wondered why. The answer lay hidden in the early teachings he'd been exposed to since childhood. These concepts helped him gain a different perspective of the world and of what had happened to him. Today, he shares his insights with his followers. So, Tim, yeah, you've written some books. You've, you've done quite a few things just in the last little while. You've started a couple of podcasts. Mm-hmm. It's great. Well, I want to ask you first, what does mindfulness mean to you? Well, first of all, thank you for, for letting me join you here. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Um, you know, mindfulness to me, I think, is it's purposeful attention to whatever it is that you're doing. Um, you know, you could also say it's, it's bringing attention or intention to the things that you're doing or the thoughts that you're thinking. That's how that's, that's the definition I think I would put on it. Well, definitely purposeful attention. I agree with you 100% with that. And, you know, like there can be a lot happening in our minds and our thoughts, a lot happening around us. And we're only usually aware of a very tiny percentage of it. Right. 
And you've you've written about the law of attraction. You've written three books that I've I've seen online. My name is Prosperity, a law of attraction story. Tell me what got you into the law of attraction. How did you get interested in that? Uh, you know, the, the honest story is is I just a number of ten years ago. I think um, I had this idea that came to me. I thought I knew what law of attraction was about. I really had probably only just sort of heard the term and, and it seems like it's self-explanatory. And, uh, but somehow I, I just thought, you know, there, somebody needs to write a book about law of attraction in the corporate world. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, all right, I, I need to, if I'm going to try to do this, I need to, and I hadn't written, you know, I've been writing various things all my life kind of, but I hadn't written any books. And uh, I thought, well, if I'm going to write about this, I better do some some research. And I got online and uh, I ended up at, I went to YouTube, saw a guy talking about it. I don't know who he was, but I listened for a few minutes and I was in, I was like heading out the door for some reason. And, but I thought, yeah, yeah that's exactly what I want, what I think it is. And that's what I want to be writing about. And so, okay, get rid of this. And then um, my next step was I ended up going to meetup.com. Mm-hmm. and search on law of attraction and up came a brand new meetup that was uh, a uh, an Esther Hicks, uh, Abraham Hicks law of attraction group. And it just happened that they were having their very, their second meeting like two days later. Mm-hmm. So I joined, yes, I'm going. And I ran out the door. I had no idea. I had never heard of Abraham Hicks. I didn't know why he, you know, hyphenated his name that way. Who is this guy? And I went to this, this meetup a couple of days later and they just basically went through an exercise that, that showed you, it walked you through looking back at your past so that you could see evidence in your own life of your own manifestations, your own, the things that you created. And I, I actually left still not knowing who Abraham was. And, uh, but it, that was the thing that started me down a more, uh, uh, I don't want to use the word obvious, just a more aware path of, of this particular subject. And did you start writing the book shortly after that or did you wait? No, the book came as, um, I don't know how much was, well, let me, I, can, I do the math. It's probably four or five years later. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was at a, a free seminar that Dan Kennedy was putting on. If you know that, yes. he's, uh, he's a big time top of the mountain guru kind of guy in the marketing world. Yeah. And it was in LA and it was not a, a not a paid thing. And it was not one of these things where they had a room set aside and go have lunch with anybody. So when there was a lunch break, they just sort of cut everybody loose and you had to figure out where you're going to sit. And I was sitting, I think just back against the wall in a hallway someplace. And this woman comes and sits down next to me and, and introduces herself and, and uh, starts telling me about what it is that she does. And she mostly works with women around money relationship issues. And um, she described how she has them create this image, this avatar uh, in their, of, of money and how it takes shape in their lives. And if it's not good, then you throw them, kick them out, you divorce them, whatever term you want to use, and then mm-hmm. you create a money honey who's big and handsome and really cares about you and all these things. And she did a much better job of describing it than I just did, but it gave me an idea for a character and really not much of anything more. And that character is, is this woman named Prosperity. Right. And um, 
so a couple of weeks later, I think uh, the idea wouldn't go away. It still sounded like a good idea. And so I sat down and, and started just typing and I don't know how much, how many hours I spent, but the first half of the book just came all at once. And um, so when that was done, I, I, you know, went about other things and it took another probably two years to finish the rest of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it just, it, I would open the computer and then open the story and, and just nothing much would come a little here and a little there, but eventually it all pieced together. So. And that was your first book then? That's the first book. Yeah. And right. that was, that was actually released with a different title because there was, as I was sort of putting it out and asking for opinions, um, a lot of what was coming back was people thought it was about money and it's not at all about money. Mm-hmm. And so I, I wanted to avoid the confusion. So I ended up putting it out as uh, life, love and the power of perspective, mm-hmm. which was a title. I was never warm and fuzzy with that title, but I, I just couldn't come up with anything better. And, and then I got tired of sort of waiting, waiting, waiting. And I just uh, I put it out there. And, um, and then eventually I got tired of, I, I just didn't like it. And uh, so this past year I, I took that one uh, off sort of off of Amazon and, and, uh, change the title back to the original and put that out and I'm much happier. And then you wrote, where's my stuff? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so how did that come about? That is, that's basically, if you're an Abraham Hicks follower, you'll understand the phrase. Um, that is a collection of blog posts that I did over three or four years. Um, and the blog was done. I wrote that for me really as a method of kind of getting my mind around all of these ideas. And uh, what would happen is I was uh, mostly it was Abraham Hicks stuff that would trigger me, but I, w- I would read something or hear something and it just would would make me want to write something. And sometimes I agreed with what they were saying. Sometimes I disagreed a lot with what they were saying. Sometimes mm-hmm. I was uh, reading between the lines. Here's what they're really saying, you know. And so it was just my a lot of it's my ramblings and, and um, it's just uh, the, the journey I went through to get my head around it. So tell us about this job that you lost when you were 54 and how it impacted your life. I, I worked uh, 20 plus years as a, uh, an IT uh, contractor. Okay. And uh, so basically you're employed by a staffing agency and, and they find you a job somewhere and you go do your work somewhere else, but that company is the one that pays you. Mm-hmm. And I was almost 15 years on the same job, uh, actually went through five different agencies while I was doing that same job, but I was at the New York life general office in San Diego mm-hmm. and I was the only in-house tech support person. And I knew about three years into it, that it, it was not going to be a career job. I was not going to, I kind of learned as much as I was going to learn about the, the, that piece of the business while at that point. And so I started thinking about, you know, maybe I should be looking at, at finding something else or just starting my own side gig, something. And, but it was a good job. It was comfortable. The, uh, the money was, was increasing. I was being paid really well for what I was doing. I liked the people I was doing the work for. I didn't have any real motivation to leave. Mm-hmm. And then uh, 10 years after I really started thinking about this, basically what happened is the universe got tired of, of waiting on me. Mm. And, um, you know, the, the company decided not to renew the contract. 
even though I'd been told over and over and over again, it was going to happen. And then mm -hmm. uh, just one morning I got a phone call from my rep and, and he said, they've taken everything off the table. They said to tell you today's your last day. Oh, just like that. That was it. And so almost 15 years and, and I was out the door without a thank you even. So, um, yeah. So went home and took a little time off because when you're doing that work, you, if you don't work, you don't get paid. So mm -hmm. you tend to just work. And I hadn't had a, what felt like a real vacation in a long time. And so I just took a, a little time off and then a little time off turned into a little more time off. And, um, and that's when I finished the book. And, uh, and then when I started actually looking for more work, it took a little while. And so I was total was about two years before I was able to go back to work. And you, you really felt though that you didn't go through a lot of uh, stress or challenge as a result of losing this job. And you, you attribute that to the way you grew up or some of the concepts you were presented yeah. when you grew up. Can you talk about that? Yeah, I, my mother was, you know, was a seeker for, for answers all of her life. Um, unfortunately, she, she was never willing to accept personal responsibility for the choices that she made. Uh -huh. And so whenever she got, you know, somebody telling her, hey, you, you put yourself into whatever position you're in, she kind of closed that up and moved on to something else. Mm -hmm. But along the way, she shared a lot of these things with me. And so I was consuming these things uh, from Wayne Dyer and uh, Robert Ringer is not a name that, that that many people know, but he was huge for me. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. and, uh, but I was eating this stuff up just because it was interesting. Right. And I didn't have any particular purpose in, in like reading somebody's book. It just was the ideas were good. And, and I, and I was young enough, I think that helped that I didn't have that resistance when they said, okay, you know, it's fault isn't as a baggage word, but it's your fault for the position you're in. If you don't like it, mm -hmm. you know, I didn't go, oh, no, somebody else did this to me. I thought about it because they, if they laid out the argument, I'm willing to look at it. And I, if it made sense, I would just sort of take it on and, and carry on with my life. And, and it's the only thing I can point at that would make me think differently about the situation that happened because everything else, I came from the south side of Chicago, it's very blue collar. You don't think about these kinds of ideas or you, mm -hmm. they're not even on the radar. No. And um, so there's no reason why I would think any different than anybody else except for these ideas. Right. And so when I, that became kind of a conscious thought, then I thought, well, you know, if I can learn it, other people can learn it. I know people who need to learn it. So uh, and it's been uh, figuring out how to, how to deliver some of these things to people. Right. Well, you've really, I think, impacted a lot of lives with your books. How has the law of attraction impacted you personally? There's no way for it not to impact you. Right. It, it's it's like gravity, even when you're not aware of it, you're, you're using it. The, the thing that sort of where people fall short when they start talking about it is what we're really talking about is how do we use it intentionally? And um, so the, the answer to the question is a little bit maybe, I don't know, it's just you can't not have it impact you. Mm -hmm. um, the, the challenge is learning what are the mechanisms and then being mindful of trying to consciously apply those mechanisms in a, in a purposeful direction so that you can get the kinds of results that you want along the way. Right. 
And so you enjoy speaking as well as writing. I know that. Tell us how you feel just before you're about to step on the stage and how you deal with those feelings. That's an interesting question because, I, you know, I grew up painfully shy. Uh, I'm an introverted person. I, I, I just don't have any particular, you know, I don't have that need that some people have to be center stage and be the, have the spotlight. But that kind of changes when you feel like you, you have something to share with people. And I don't feel like I'm about to, to speak, you know, in quotes, and it's not a big thing. I'm just going out there and talking to people. Right. And, um, so I, I'm, I mean, I'm blessed, I guess. I, 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 and it all just sort of came when I went after I lost that job and I thought, you know, I need to share this. Then it was like, well, okay, how do I do it? Well, speaking is a big piece of this. So, all right, let's go, let's go put the coat on. Um, so the, the feelings, there's a little nervousness. There's a little sort of, you know, positive anxiety, I guess, before you're, mm -hmm. you're about to go out. But um, I don't, you know, I don't have like the nausea or, or like, I'm not afraid. Mm -hmm. So, um, which is nice, you know, uh, it would make it a whole lot harder. Yeah. Do you meditate? Question. Do you meditate, Tim? You know, the honest answer is not, not, not like I would like to, not as often as I would like to. Um, what's happened to me is I used to do it. I went through the Silva Mind Control Program, um, their first level thing in the 80s. And you learn right away how to get down to that alpha state. And, and um, it's a great feeling when you come out, you've just... Uh, it's you feel like you got a battery plugged into you somehow mm -hmm. and I have longed to get that back ever since um, but I have not been successful and so what I've been doing is trying different things one of the things that never used to work for me I never could connect to it but lately seems to be working is is affirmations mm -hmm. and they're something that I started doing that in what people would normally expect as as how you meditate to eyes closed and get comfortable and all that but um what i found is that you really don't even need to do that you can you can be repeating affirmations all day long and you know while you're driving it's super simple it's you know so you're you're meditating that way sure and um it's kind of like you know i don't yeah that's my answer it's yeah. that's what's working for me now do you think writing is a form of meditation for you? Probably yes. I mean, it's definitely, it's definitely something that forces me to focus. Um, it, it's it's something that I really like to do, but it doesn't come that easily. Uh, I have to. Uh, I I can spend an hour getting a you know a four sentence paragraph out. Mm -hmm. um, so in that sense, yeah, my mind isn't running around thinking about what are the bills and, you know, I got to get the car washed or whatever. That stuff is somewhere else. I'm really, really focused on what I'm trying to do, which, as I see it, is really the, like the first goal, at least, of, of meditation. What do you enjoy doing the most in life? I love traveling. I love eating, you know, like trying new foods and things. Um, that's not always an option. Um if, uh, you know, if I got to stay at home and, and I don't get to travel, I would say uh, I get on my, my mountain bike as much as I can, not as much as I should, but I like to go out and ride trails. Mm -hmm. 
that gets your right. gets your mind. You can't you can't just walking for me doesn't clear my mind. Um, there's it's too easy to have stuff going on. But if you're on a on a riding a, a trail in particular, you you can't not focus. Right. So um, yeah, I like doing that. Right. I want to ask you about bullying. Were you ever a bully? Or were you ever bullied? Do you have a story where mindfulness would have made a difference if it had played out differently? You know, honestly, I don't think I do. Um, I was, I was, I just, I think I was just sort of under the radar. Um, I'm not a big guy. I'm, I'm, I'm athletic. I was athletic, but I was never on any of the, the, the baseball. Well, I was on a baseball team when I was a freshman in high school, but that was kind of a joke. Um, I would have loved to go on the football team, but mm-hmm. I just didn't, uh, we went out and saw them working full pads in August in Chicago. And I was like, yeah, I'll pass on that. <laughs> um, but the bullying thing, I, I never got truly bullied. I got sort of, you know, pushed out of the way here and there and that kind of thing is like, you know, you're too small kind of stuff from people. But yeah, um, yeah, I, I can't really say that I'd. And what about in your professional life? What about in your career and your work? I don't think so. There are places where you, I've worked a lot of different kinds of jobs. um, And there are places where certain people are, you know, people are people and and some are friendlier and more helpful than others. And, and, uh, but I've, I think never been in a position where anybody sort of intentionally undercut me on anything. Um, and I don't know that I've been passed up for any promotions for personal reasons of any kind. So. Right, right. Well, you know, it's interesting to talk with you about the different things you've done and how you've you've ended up doing a lot of writing and now a lot of podcasting. What do you think drew you to the podcasting space? The, the podcasting, it came about because I was made aware of it as an option uh, last September at the event that you and I were both the at. The New Media Summit. Yeah, that's where we met. Yeah. And um, it was a, a, about two months later, uh, a friend of mine and his wife run a, an Abraham Hicks meetup, Love Attraction meetup. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the conversations that we would have in those those meetings were would get really, really interesting. But the problem was that the more interesting they got, really the more distant they got from Abraham strictly teachings and there's always somebody who seemed to get nervous and they didn't want to dig that deep or whatever and right sure. Can we go back to this and so it became a little frustrating for for he and i and and one other guy in particular and, and the idea just came to me one day and i said hey do you want to do a podcast because we can just go straight to these good conversations and not have to stop for anybody and we can talk to whoever we want to about whatever we want to for as long as we want to and he said yeah and here we are and that's when you started the universe between your ears? Yeah, we started recording in, I think, November and released uh, the first episodes in January and one a week since. So it's yeah. fun. Yeah, that's great. And it's a great podcast because you really get into a lot of, uh, like a great conversation that's deep. You know, it's not servicey. You get really into uh, these thoughts and ideas about the law of attraction and, uh, you know, other things too. So yeah, it's really it's, great. We've had some great people on and, and, you know, we've had some important conversations, I think. The, the one that just went live today is uh, a girl that went through postpartum depression and had suicidal thoughts and things and then 
um, started a, a nonprofit agency to provide doulas for uh, mothers who are, who are dealing with this stuff. And uh, she did this at like 26, 27. And, uh, and so, you know, I, part of my goal in every conversation is to hopefully pull something out of it that somebody in the audience can, can put to use. Sure. Um, so that some of them are, are I, I, so I feel like they're important conversations. Um, others, maybe not so much, but that's life, you know, not every conversation is gold. Well, yeah, you've had some great conversations. I know with Jackie Latron and Lisa oh, yeah. Winston and Sean Douglas and, yeah. and Jay Wong, so many people that I know, and and Justin Shank, so many great, great conversations. And you really have the ability to dig in. It's Well, you know, it takes a good guest. It's All you do is, with a good one, you, you ask them a question and you wind them up and let them go, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, that's true. It's been fun. And I, that's for me, this is, this is sort of like what happened to me growing up. I'm, I'm being exposed to all these things. And then later on, I realized that, you know, some new twist in how I see things has, has taken form and I didn't put any real thought into it necessarily. And that's what's happening with the podcast. Cause I do the production work. So I'm hearing them two and three times, even after, you know, being part of the conversation. So uh, I get to suck it up. Right, right. I want to talk about fear because fear is a topic that it often comes up when we talk about mindfulness. How do you deal deal with fear in your life? I stick my head in the sand. <laughs> <laughs> Just try to avoid it. You? <laughs> um, you know, it kind of depends, I guess, on on what kind of fear it is. Um, one of the things that that I've been talking a lot about lately is. It's it's this comfort zone idea, mm-hmm. and the thing that has hit me a lot is that for people who are either introverted or just they're fearful uh, about stepping out and doing something, it doesn't matter what the reason is. When we hear somebody on a stage or on TV or whatever it is saying, well, you got to get outside your comfort zone, what we hear is, you've got to go get in your car and drive across town and get out of sight of everything you've ever known, you know, anything you can recognize. And then, you know, you, you'll change your life. And it really annoys me because even if they don't present it that way, but a lot of them do, even if they don't present it that way, it, it doesn't have to happen that way. And the, the analogy I have been using is that, you know, your, your living room, is your comfort zone. And as long as you don't leave the living room, you're good. doesn't matter much what happens. But you can get outside the comfort zone by just opening your front door and taking one step. And you are now in a new environment and there's a street out in front of your house and some, somebody could be driving down the street throwing $100 bills out the window. And if you don't take that one step outside your comfort zone, you never have any opportunity to take advantage of that. And and it can change your life. Stuff, real simple things can change your life. And you don't have to do super uncomfortable things. You don't have to, it doesn't have to be a big thing for you to feel like it's a big thing. And and that's what we really are after is to, is to you know, we want to feel like we're contributing and, and that we have some meaning in the world. But what 
what you define for that is almost it's a guarantee it's going to be different than what I would define them. So, you know, but, it, but you, you know, when somebody says you got to get outside your comfort zone, they're right. But it doesn't mean you, ha you know, a lot of people use this. I've heard over and over, you got to get really uncomfortable with being really uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. You just don't, you just don't, you can, you can get a little bit uncomfortable for a short amount of time. You can always go back, you know, but the reality is, if you step outside, you expand your horizons a little bit, you find out, oh, that wasn't painful. That's true. You know, and, and you won't want to go back. And that's okay. You know, that be, you just have a new comfort zone. Yeah, that's true. I like your insight into this. That's that's very uh, informative. I think Thanks. that my listeners are going to enjoy that too. I want to move forward, Tim, by asking you uh, five quick answer questions. And the mm. first one is this. Who is one person who influenced your mindfulness? Only one. Um, Wayne Dyer was the first. Absolutely. He was the first. Um, his first, the first book that I wrote of his was called Pulling Your Own Strings. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was a really, it's a similar sort of an idea, I think, to the Robert Ringer book, Looking Out for Number One. Um, and at that time in my life, it was an important thing for me to be reading. How has mindfulness affected your emotions? This is the trick that we're after, I think. If you can be in a position where you can assume a third party perspective on what's going on in your life uh, and understand that it's just something that's going on. It's not good or bad, right or wrong necessarily. Mm -hmm. And you can be removed from it in a personal way. Then the emotions that will be part of it don't, they don't have the same effect. The waves aren't as high, you know, the troughs aren't as low, the, you know, the, the period in between is, is longer. You just have a, a much more stable path through your, your emotional life. And it's, it's helped me to avoid a lot of grief, losing friends to cancer and things like that. And, and, man, if I hadn't had these ideas in the back of my head, um, there are a few incidents that just would have been so much tougher. Yeah, I, I certainly can, uh, can say the same for myself. Tell us how breathing is a, uh, a part of your mindfulness. So I'm assuming when you ask that question that you're talking about basically as it relates to meditation. Uh, Not necessarily. Um, it's yeah. different for different people. So okay. what is it for you? That's a good question. I, the only thing that's come to, to my mind really is as it's applied in meditation, it's part of, it's a really kind of the go-to um, first level instruction when you get a, a, a guided meditation that you listen to and relax and pay, you know, when your mind starts wandering, pay attention to your breathing in and sure, out. Sure, notice your breath. Yeah, the reason being that you, if you're actually truly doing that, you can't think about anything else. And um, I don't know. I don't know that I have much more for that. Sure, sure. And so you've written a number of books. I've mentioned some of them. Of course, my name is Prosperity, A Law of Attraction Story, and, and Where's My Stuff? What book would you recommend? And I will put these other books in the show notes, but what book would you recommend to somebody that wants to learn more about mindfulness? Almost anything from Wayne Dyer works mm -hmm. for me. Um, it kind of depends a little bit on where you're at in this whole sort of spiritual awakening sort of process. If you're sort of on the beginning 
I would say um, his earlier stuff is is better. As he got older and, and more involved in things, he kind of kind of got way out there, and it's a little bit difficult to follow. But mm-hmm. uh, so Wayne Wayne would be big. Um, Eckhart Tolle, The Power of Now, and they're two very different. They're both very calm deliveries from these guys. But right, um, actually, if you've heard either one of them speak and when you read the book you, you can't help but hear their voices you know. yeah exactly yeah do you ever use any apps as part of your mindfulness do you ever use any apps to help you i don't spend much time on my phone um i have tried a couple of things that are abraham hicks related uh, there's a focus wheel mm-hmm. um but uh, things along the line of uh, appreciation i don't do journaling but i do uh, when I am able to make myself remember to do it, uh, I do just sort of conscious appreciation of things. Mm-hmm. So I'm a slacker when it comes to a lot of these. <laughs> Are you? Yeah. I'll be honest, you know. Uh, but I, I, there's also, it's, I kind of do things when I feel a need, to be honest. It's in, mm-hmm. So when, when I'm bumping along and I feel like I'm growing and learning and, and that, then um, I get lazy. Right. Well, it's certainly uh, awesome the books you've put out and the work you've done to help Thanks. other people understand about the law of attraction and and you know because that is something that's out there and it's real. Like you say, it's like gravity. It's it's happening whether we understand it or not. Yeah. Yeah. And there's the you know, quantum physics is is proving it out. Yes, they are. Which is to me is exciting because I'm I I want to see proof. And just because somebody tells me, oh, this is how things work, um, look at the magic, um, doesn't work for me. I, I want to see the, I want to pull the curtain back, let me see the wizard. Right. I love learning the scientific aspect of yeah. this as well. It just makes it even, take on even more perspectives. Yeah. And it drives yeah. it home. It's like, okay, yeah, it is true. Yeah. You know, it, it clears some of the doubt, you know. Exactly. Until you achieve certain things or, or, even I, I want to say, unless you you die and came come back, you you don't know what's going to happen afterwards. But there are people who have died and come back, and I've read their stories, and it's like, oh, that doesn't even make sense. You know, that's like, see, this came out of your mind. I can see this. You know, um, so, but it also applies to stuff while we're here on this plane and walking around. Our truths change all throughout our lives. There are very few things that are true for all people at all times. And, um, you know, smoking used to be uh, recommended. <laughs> you know, true. <laughs> true. The earth, the earth used to be flat and then it went round and maybe now it's flat again. I don't know. but uh, <laughs> Some people believe it is. That's yeah. true. So, it's, yeah. you know, yeah, everything's kind of in flux. And a lot of it, you know, honestly, um, not to get too woo-woo on this, but the uh, a lot of it is is your reality. Your reality is separate from mine. Is separate from the next guy, in a very real, literal sense. And they're also whatever we decide that they are. So, which is, you know, some of that stuff is a dual-edged sword. And one side is it's it gives you a lot of power. Oh my like, God, really? I can create anything that I want to. Yes. Wow. Cool. Uh oh. That means yeah, it's up to me to do it. You know, yeah. and anything I create is, I did it. I got to take responsibility for that. So it's, and I think that's a big piece of why people resist a lot of these things is right. that responsibility 
factor. Yeah, it puts a lot of pressure on, doesn't it? It it does. You know, it shouldn't, but it does. Yeah. yeah. If you let me go, I'll go for like a week and a half on this stuff. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, it's it's such an interesting conversation, Tim. It's been great having you on the show. Thank How you. can we reach out and and learn more about what you do? I know that your website is timcstar.com. Right. Spelled with one R. Um, that's if if it's in me that you're interested in, in learning a little more about and or, or getting in contact. That's the best place to go. Um, there's links to other things from there. The, the podcast that is up and running and, and uh, fully formed is the universe between your ears. And the website for that is universepodcast.com. Um, and you can, it's also on uh, iTunes and Stitcher and all the other usual places. Mm-hmm. Brand new one is this pod, uh, personal growth podcast, but that's, there is a single page for that up right now, but it's just a holding page for the moment. So, but it's coming. If you go to timcstar.com, then you'll find links to everything when they're live. Well, Tim, thanks so much for being on the show. It's been great chatting with you today. Thank you. All the best to you. Thank you. Take care. Yeah, bye now. Thanks so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. For show notes for every episode, check out mindfulnessmode.com and type the guest name or the episode number into the search bar. You can also go mindfulnessmode.com slash whatever episode number you like. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you could help us out by subscribing to Mindfulness Mode wherever you listen, whether it's on iTunes or Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, so many places you can hear Mindfulness Mode. So hit subscribe and share because that truly helps our show. Remember what I mentioned at the top of the show, the Release Your Overwhelm Guided Meditation for $4.99. Abandon your inner blocks, surrender your stress, and become more focused with the calming sound of the waves and reminders about how you can release your blocks that are holding you back. Download this full-length 30-minute guided meditation at mindfulnessmode.com release. So remember, subscribing and sharing helps keep Mindfulness Mode on the air. Till next time, Mindful Tribe, use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.